Hello, and welcome to Potternot, a podcast for those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings and for those who have absorbed Harry Potter through cultural osmosis and want to dive into the good and the bad. I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I am a fledgling fan. I am Adela, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a jaded fan. And I am Zoe, she, her, a jaded fan, and welcome to the jaded fandom. (laughs) (laughs) It's all jade. All the way down. All jaded. <laughs> all the way down. Uh, we read some chapters. We did. We read chapter... What number is it? 14, Snape's Grudge. Chapter 15, The Quidditch Final. And chapter 16, Professor Trelawney's Prediction. And <laughs> I have already sent this to Ian Dela, and so we will post it on Twitter. But wow, there is some art of Snape. There is a picture of Snape. This is pre-Alan Rickman. Yeah. The picture of Snape looks like the way I pictured Igor Karkaroff in book four. Yes. Wow. Never made that connection before, but you're incredibly right. Like, it does not look like the way I pictured Snape ever. Yeah, he's got, like, a very pronounced forehead, like, receded hairline, very scraggly um, hair sharp eyebrows, a very, like, small and pointy nose. I would say large and pointy. I would say large and small and pointy chin. Also a very pointy chin. He has a goatee. Very, like, Jafar from Aladdin vibes I'm getting from this photo, from this drawing. I was trying to figure out who I wanted to compare him to. In book four, Karkaroff is described as having a goatee that didn't quite hide how weak his chin is. And that feels like the goatee slash beard in this image. Whereas I never imagined Snape with facial hair. Me neither. So that's interesting. I don't... This is pre-Alan Rickman. The facial hair aspect is never described. He is described as having like longer sort of greasy lanky hair. And this is sort of shorter Mm-hmm. hair but could be i mean it's hard to tell in just like a still black and white image but it looks like it could be sort of lanky and greasy like that's not a problem but i feel like the nose is a little wrong and the the facial hair doesn't feel right but he does look younger which i appreciate he looks that like a true. balding 30 rather than alan rickman who is yeah much older so we have talked a little bit about the ages and issue before i also appreciate that in this picture it's a little hard to see here um, but in this picture, underneath his robes, he's just wearing, like, a sweater. Yeah. So I appreciate that uh, Mary Grimpie just put him in in clothes. So. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in the photo, for those of you who don't have Twitter or don't want to look at Twitter, um, the uh, image of Snape is him putting his wand down on the unfurled Marauder's Map, which you can see here, looks like a four-panel fold-out piece of parchment. So it's clearly bigger than the picture of the Marauder's Map we posted a couple of episodes ago. Um, yeah, it's bigger than the previous illustration, but not not car map, not car map yeah, huge. Exactly, which I think this is this is like a parchment piece of parchment that is folded, which is how it's described, would unfold like out into unquarter it basically. Versus in the movie where it's like car map large. So I I appreciate this. I think it's good. It also appears to be double-sided, which makes sense because Hogwarts is weird. Yeah, so there isn't really a ton of Snape. I mean, he is like very um, pissed at Harry in this chapter. 
Yeah, I mean, like, the plot, they escape to, they sneak off to Hogsmeade. Harry and Draco get into a mud fight, which actually is referenced in a fic that I was rereading recently. (laughs) And then, because his invisibility cloak slips, his head is emerged, and Malfoy, like, runs off to go tell, tell on him, because they're 13. And they have a grudge. Yeah. And um, how does Malfoy get back faster? I think the passageway is longer because it has to go underground. Okay. So I was trying to figure that out. Like, I don't know, obviously, the like relative locations of Hogsmeade and. It's walkable, but it's a long walk. Would your head have been doing in Hogsmeade, Potter? Your head is not allowed at Hogsmeade. No part of your body has permission to be in Hogsmeade. <laughs> That's a good line. It is a good line. Um, I have things to say about Neville in this chapter also, but I, I want to get to the the Marauder's Map bit bit here. Yeah. Um, this is like continuing the, the whole Harry learning about his family, Harry learning about his father specifically. Now he's mm-hmm. learning about it from someone who hated him. It's been a lot of perspectives. Yeah. I, I hate Snape. Wow. The more I reread these <laughs> yeah. books, the more I really hate him. Um, how extraordinarily like your father you are, Potter, he said suddenly, his eyes glinting. He too was exceedingly arrogant. A small amount of talent on the Quidditch field made him think that he was a cut above the rest of us too, strutting around the place with his friends and admirers. The resemblance between you is uncanny. Like, the fuck, dude? This is a, he's thir- you're talking to a child. Yes. Yep. He, yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> You, what were your overall thoughts from that scene? Um, honestly, my overall thoughts were like how much Snape's appearance factors into it. Like, Snape gets physically described a lot in this scene. I feel like more than ever before. Um, find Snape's thin mouth curled into a horrible smile, his eyes glinting. Snape's Sallow skin had gone the color of sour milk. It's uneven yellowish teeth. Ugh, yeah. It's it's gross. I it, like it's I hate Snape, but also I I don't love how the description is so physically based here. Yeah. Um, like it's so, it's reinforcing the thing throughout these books that evil is ugly and ugly is evil. Yeah. Yes. He is trying to get the secrets out of the map, and it pops up with Mr. Mooney presents his compliments to Professor Snape and begs him to keep his abnormally large nose out of other people's business. Prongs says Snape is an ugly git. Padfoot would like to register his... Oh, this one is is intellectual. Mr. Padfoot would like to register the astonishment that an idiot like uh, that ever became a professor. Um, Mr. Wormtail advises him to wash his hair, the slime ball. So it is very physically focused. Yeah. Which is... Unfortunate. Yeah. Unfortunate. Um, and then Lupin arrives, and it becomes clear very quickly that this is, like, a personal thing between Lupin and Snape. hmm Also, plot hole. Plot hole time. Plot hole time. Yay! My favorite time. Right on cue, Ron came bursting into the office. He was completely out of breath and stopped just short of Snape's death, desk, clutching the stitch in his chest and trying to speak. I gave Harry that stuff, bought it in Zongos ages ago. Motherfucker, how would you know that Harry was in trouble if you were in Hogsmeade and he wasn't? Way to fucking blow his cover. Yeah. The only the reason why Snape... he gets away from it is 
just because we can get him out of there fast enough. Lupin's yeah, just like, all right, we're leaving. But I, I just also how did Ron? How did Ron even know that Harry was in trouble? Period. Yeah, that part always bugged me a little bit. Like, because it's possible that Ron, that like Harry made it back and succeeded in getting away with it, right? Like Ron wouldn't have known. But to know not only to run back to the castle, blow his cover, and go straight to Snape's office. Like, what if Ron had just, like, busted into Snape's office and no one was there? Yeah. Like, who's to say that it was for sure going to be Snape that caught him? Well, because Malfoy, that's who Malfoy would go to, right? Well, yeah. But, like, if Harry had really booked it, maybe he would have been back in the Gryffindor common room. Right. So then you have the little conversation with Lupin afterwards. Yeah, what'd you take from this, E? I didn't say it before because I wasn't sure, but I'm pretty sure that the authors of the map are Lupin et al. Mm-hmm. The friend group, including Harry's dad. What makes you think so? Because I'm pretty sure I've seen them referred to as the Marauders on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> But also, even without that, like, the the way this scene is written. It makes it pretty clear. <laughs> it makes it pretty clear that whatever it is, it's a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. Like, to Lupin and between Lupin and Snape. And Harry says, like, Harry says, why did Snape think I got it from the manufacturers? Yeah. Snape directly goes to bringing up his dad. And like, yeah. And it's interesting also that, like, this is just a few pages out of this chapter. It's, what, five pages out of this chapter, which is much more than five pages. But the title of the chapter is Snape's Grudge, and there is, it, is a lot of yeah. focus on this. I just noticed that, um, not really completely related to that, but I just noticed that this is one of few times where they genuinely feel remorse for the, the like, breaking the rules. Yeah. <laughs> because... They're like, oh, they're like, oh, our professor who we really like thinks that we did a stupid thing. Yeah. Lupin pulls the, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Yeah. (laughs) And it works. The interesting thing is, Lupin actually says the same thing that Snape does, which is, and Snape says it really nastily, where Mm -hmm. um, famous Harry Potter is a law unto himself. Let ordinary people worry about his safety. Like, everyone's trying to protect you from Sirius Black and you don't give a fuck. But Lupin actually says the same thing. I cannot make yeah. you take Sirius Black seriously, but I th- would have thought that you would have heard when the Dementors draw near you, like, would have had an effect on you. Like, here's a guilt trip, but also, why aren't you taking this threat to your life seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, like, way to guilt trip him. Your parents gave their lives to keep you alive, Harry. A poor yeah, way to that's... repay them. Gambling their sacrifice for a bag of magic tricks. That's harsh. Harsh. Mm-hmm. Real harsh. But also, like... Valid, given that... Given the situation. But also... Yeah. Before we move on to Quidditch, um, can we just quickly jump back and talk about Neville, our poor boy? Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about Neville. I also want to talk about Hagrid and Buckbeak. Yeah, yeah. that'll be next. That's, that's, like, around and also after the Quidditch mm-hmm. games. Yeah, at the beginning of Snape's Grudge chapter, um, there's a section here a little bit about Neville... Because the last yeah. chapter ended with poor Neville Longbottom trembling, trembling from his head to his fluffy slippered toes, uh, realizing that he lost his passwords and that's how Sirius Black got in. 
for the absolute crime of writing down your passwords, he gets detention, banned from Hogsmeade, like permanently. Yeah. Uh, cannot ever learn the Gryffindor Tower password, so has to be let in by somebody else every time. And gets a howler. Yeah. Our poor boy. And he's having trouble with his homework. Yeah. yeah. It's not a fun time to be Neville. So yeah, our poor boy is just really struggling. Also, a, a short snippet of Detective Harry <laughs> in that same scene of like, Hey, if Sirius Black was in my room, why didn't he just, like, murder all of us? Yeah. yeah. Ron is recanting his tale. And, uh, yeah. Why had Black, having gotten the wrong bed, not silenced Ron and proceeded to Harry? <laughs> way to phrase it in a very particular way, Harry. But, yeah. Grim, but, like, he's got a point. Yeah, anyway, moving on to, to Hagrid. Uh, just a note, um, with our tweets about this episode, there will be quite a lot of handwriting typography. There's a bunch of letters. Yeah, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs all have distinct handwriting. And then the two letters from Hagrid, the one that is at the start of the Quidditch final, which is smudged with tears. The typography in this edition is actually smudged with quote-unquote tears. And then the one at the start of Professor Trelawney's prediction, is that where it is? Or end of Quidditch final? Uh, wherever the one where they lost the... Yeah, I think it's at the end of Trelawney's prediction. Yeah, that one also is like a very, very shaky is how it's described. And it's Hagrid's font, but whatever they've done to the text, they've manipulated it. So it really looks like it's been written with a shaky hand. So we'll be posting those images along with the picture of Snape um, with our episode. Uh, so check out our Twitter. I guess I, I forgot to mention in the chapter before, like I wanted to mention they when they went to visit Hagrid and Hagrid kind of gave them a talking to about Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because we talked a lot about Hermione and their friendship last week or last time. Uh, Cause this is a, like I apparently completely forgot about this scene where Hagrid like uh, doesn't berate them. He just is like, Hey, be nice to your friend basically. Um, yeah. Cause it turns out that in, in Harry and Ron's like, ignoring Hermione, she has been going to Hagrid. Yeah, and helping him with his case. Yeah. Where is the specific thing that he said that was, like, very um, related to... Page 202. For me, it starts on... It's the American edition, page 273, and moves from there. Yeah. Uh, Hermione said Hagrid. She's in a right state, that's what. She's been coming down to visit me a lot since Christmas. Been feeling lonely. First, you weren't talking to her because of the firebolt. Now you're not talking to her because her cat ate scabbers, Ron interjected angrily. Um, the part at the bottom of the page where he says, um, I gotta tell you, I, th I thought you'd value your friend more than broomsticks or rats, that's all. Yeah. So, And uh, they, I feel like it doesn't really talk about how they feel about that. Like, you don't really see their feelings. And then immediately afterwards, Ron just is, like, mean to Hermione again. Yeah. When she's trying to tell Harry not to go to Hogsmeade. Ron is just like, do you hear someone talking? He's still angry when Hagrid is talking to them too. Yeah. Because he says like, if she'd just get rid of that cat, I'd speak to her again. And Hagrid's like, well, people can be stupid about their pets. Talking about both yeah, and, then they and just, Ron. And then they just kind of move on, I guess. They don't really resolve it. They don't but... resolve it. It makes Harry especially really uncomfortable. Harry like feels bad about it. 
Yeah. Ron mostly just gets mad. And, like, I think I understand where that's coming from, right? Like, as much as, partly because I know the end of the book, um, I don't think that this is a valid reason for him to be so angry at Hermione. It is true that from all intents and purposes, which we find out is not true (laughs) in these other chapters, um, but this rat has been Ron's pet for 13 years or 12 years or whatever. And like to think that your friend bought a cat when you own a rat and then legitimately did not do the job as a pet owner. Did not care for or train the cat. Like I'm, I'm also on Hermione's side here. I think they're being really shitty to her, but also it seems like her cat, which she bought despite the fact that her friend owns a rat and they were going to interact all the time. Like, it just, I get where he's coming from. Yeah. I guess. I understand him getting angry in this scene. Like, that is a very 13-year-old reaction to being told you're wrong by an adult to, like, buckle down on it and get mad. Like, yeah, of course. And same with the Harry, if you go to Hogsmeade again, I'll tell Professor McGonagall about that map. Like, not I'll pre- tell Professor McGonagall on you, but about the map, yeah. which yeah. is, like, this treasure trove of information. So, like, I get why he's doubling down on his... I don't like it. <laughs> and she's yeah. right, which is proven by Lupin getting angry at them, but I get it. Uh, the Quidditch final. Yay! Quidditch! <laughs> Another really good Quidditch game. Another really this- good Quidditch game. With some of Adela's favorite, which is the commentating. <laughs> This one is um, very, like, I feel like all three of these chapters are very fast-paced. Like, there's the scenes are quite short and, like, to the point. And the same thing with this Quidditch chapter. It's just, like, thing after thing after thing. And the it's Quidditch snappy. game. Um, also, this is the very famous moment where Hermione hits Malfoy. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> very important. Very, very important. In the movies, it's a punch to the face. And I have a fun fact about this. Um, Tom Felton, who had been in many movies since he was a very small boy and who plays Malfoy, had asked Emma Watson, who had been in zero movies before this, to come and practice the punch. And she went over there and punched him. And he, like, didn't know what to do. He, so he was like, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if this story is apocryphal. I've read it on Tumblr many, many times. But in the movie, it's a straight up punch. And of course, in the movie, like she pulls it and he pulls his head like it's a movie punch. But like she didn't know how to do that. And he was like, let's practice. And so she punched him (laughs) because they were she was 12 and he was 13. And she like didn't know how to do that yet. It was very it's a very funny story. I I don't know what the like relative ages of the actors to the characters were. So this movie uh, is the first one where they're a little bit older. I think I think that she was 13 when they. I remember reading, like, a magazine where they were, like, each, like, a year older than they were supposed to be or something from when this book came out. Or this movie came out. I guess so. Tom Felton was always a year older, so it didn't... And Hermione, Emma Watson is the youngest of the four main actors. Yeah. So she was 13. And then after that, they're all too old because the movies took longer to make. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because I was thinking, like, usually in you know, movies with child or teen actors. Like, they're usually at least a couple years older than the character they're portraying. The first movie, they are one year older than they're supposed to be. Okay. Except for Emma Watson. Except for, except for Emma 11. Watson, yeah. Not like 22-year-olds playing teens. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, um, at the end, I mean, until were. you get to the end, yeah. Yeah, um, because book seven was split into two movies, and book six took a year and a half for production, I think. So by the time they get to book seven, Emma Watson is 21. Also, and her, Tom Felton is 23. Hermione in canon is older than everybody else because her birthday is in September and she's a year older than everyone. In any case, in the movie, she punches him, and in the book, she slaps him. Yeah, both are good. Both are very good. Both are commonly referenced in, in fan fiction. The fandom loves this punch, this slap. Um, and despite in canon it being a slap in fandom, it is always referred to as the punch because <laughs> as punching, as like the act of being punched because it's yeah. way more impactful than, than the slap. Um, mm-hmm. Although I think the slap works better for shock value in the book. Smack. Yeah. Okay. Also, like smack. if you smack somebody across the face, hard enough you can like give them like it is just as powerful as a punch Um, yeah you can get a lot of momentum in that so anyway quidditch (laughs) Mm. also hermione misses class yeah hermione misses her charms class and then is like starting to crack under the pressure of all of her schoolwork like it wrecks her to miss one one class but specifically she was right behind them until they got into the classroom where'd she go Wonder what that could be about. Oh, I wonder. <laughs> There's some bullshit with Professor Trelawney and Hermione leaves the class, and it's great. Um, yeah. Good for her. And Quidditch. Um, we get the setup that's like, Slytherin is over Gryffindor by exactly 200 points, so they have to win by 200 points. It's like, you can't, you can't catch the snitch at any time. You have to catch it while we're ahead by 50 points. Yeah. Strategy. Strategy. Yeah. Technically, I think he... I think this is actually the math is wrong, and they have to win when they're 60 points ahead. They, like, he can't even look for the snitch until they're 50. Yeah. Because they can't tie. Or maybe right. they can because of standings, and, like, they never... I, I would love... I would love to know <laughs> if this is like, is it like soccer where it's goal scored like relative between the teams? Yeah. Is this like hockey where it's like shots on goal and goal relative to like, there's just a lot of metrics that are missing. And I want to know like how the standings are calculated. Like, is it goal differential? <laughs> Cause if it's goal differential, then Gryffindor would be losing. Because they lost by quite a lot, but it was a snitch. So maybe it's goal differential positive. This does not matter, but it is. If anyone out there has Quidditch sports thoughts, send them directly to Zoe. Please (laughs) at me on Twitter, at Zoe Topaz. (laughs) I want to know if goal differential plays I just find the Quidditch chapters fun. I don't really care. I don't care about sports. (laughs) (laughs) I just find them fun to read. As someone who specifically requested that today's recording come before 1230, which is when the Chicago Stars play the Houston Dash for the NWSL final. Every other Harry Potter podcast that I listen to hates Quidditch. They're all like, Quidditch doesn't need to be in here. It's useless. There is oh, no point so to it. Fun. I was like, I was like, Zoe is not going to be happy. <laughs> to be very clear, I think that given the history of how people interact with one another and given how important sports are across multiple cultures, I actually think that having a sport as part of the culture is hugely important. 
And I think that the, as much as this is not a full world for many, many reasons that we have talked about before, and I'm sure we'll talk about again, and it's full of plot holes and lots of other things. And as much as Quidditch is a disaster of a designed sport, <laughs> I do actually think that it's very important that there is sport in this world because without it, what is it that people do for leisure? Yeah, especially a football analog in, a, in an explicitly British story. Yeah, yes. Although the more I learn about Australian footy, the more I think Quidditch is a great analog for footy, which is a very strange game to people who oh, yeah. don't grow up I in Australia. I mean, it's an analog in the way that people yeah. think about it. Like the way that Ron has posters of yeah. his teams and like that's... And like the World Cup that happens every four years... Um, which you'll find out about next book. Like that's yeah. that's another thing. So, I actually think that it's really important to have Quidditch in here. Um, Fair. And one of my favorite pieces of uh, um, original JKR original writing on Pottermore is the 2014 Quidditch World Cup commentary, which we maybe we'll look at at some point. I like that a lot. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, it is a. It is a good game. It's a good game in that, like, I would love to be in the stands for this game. It's a dirty game. Yeah, lots of back and forth happening. There's a lot of fouls. Um, a lot yeah. of penalty shots. Penalty shots are in any sport. <laughs> um, yeah. Penalty shots are, like, really stressful to watch. And from athletes who have given interviews, really stressful to take. Because it's entirely on you, right? But it can also be the difference between winning and losing. And that's the reason that it's a cool thing that like that happens in this sport. You don't have to put this in the episode. I'm just very excited about Quidditch. No, anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to put all this in. We might need to have figure out another title for the episode. That's not just sports like our other episode was, <laughs> but like <laughs> sports again. Sports. Again, sports. Two. Yeah, it's. It's fun. It's very fun. Um, I like that Madam Hooch is really getting into it. Um, you also learn some things about Quidditch, right? Like, you do not attack the keeper unless the Quaffle was, is within the scoring area. That's a rule that we, now we know about Quidditch. You can attack the keeper if the Quaffle is in the scoring area. That's terrifying. That's not allowed in any other sport. You cannot attack the goalie or the keeper in soccer, even Ever. if the ball is yeah. in the scoring area. But you can in Quidditch, so cool. Um, goes with the violence that is otherwise described here. Also, the yeah. commentary like slowly derailing until yes. until McGonagall is not trying to stop him anymore and is just yelling herself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lee Jordan swears a couple of times, and McGonagall is like, "You can't have the mic if you're going to be swearing into it." And then I assume that the bleeped out word here is "bastard," which is weird because I think we've seen the word "bastard" in here before, but there's no way that it's "bitch." Yeah. Um, yeah. You cheating scum, you filthy cheating, and it starts with a B, and then there's a dash. Yeah. It has to be bastard. He's yelling, he's yelling at Malfoy. Yeah, mm -hmm. so there's no way, well, it is, it is sports, so I suppose he could be saying bitch to demean him, to demean Malfoy further, as happens in many sports, but mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I don't think it would be. Uh, in any case, that's the point where Adela was just mentioning that Professor McGonagall is also screaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is great. A lot of the a lot of the action description, especially towards the end of the match, is like specifically about Harry and Draco, mm -hmm. like being so like tightly following each other, or one follow yeah you know, one following the other as they try and 
Yeah, and the thing that causes Lee Jordan and Professor McGonagall to scream, and actually Madame Hooch as well, um, is that Malfoy, like, jumped forward and grabbed the bristles of Harry's broom, which is, like, so clearly not allowed. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to pull him down from grabbing for the... And then, of course, uh, they win. Yeah. Yay! Yay! (laughs) First Quidditch Cup win... Since Charlie was a, the yeah, did it match before? Um, like obviously this is the third year, so there's got to. Uh, it was canceled in book two, and, and in book one Slytherin one. Slytherin one in book one because Harry was not there because Harry was in the hospital wing or whatever. Harry was in the hospital yeah. wing and they got slaughtered. Yeah. Okay, so this is the first match we actually get to see. This is the first final, yeah. I do, I do love the description of Hagrid here. Uh, he saw Hagrid plastered with crimson rosettes. You beat him, Harry! You beat him! Wait till I tell Buckbeak! <laughs> also, I love this. There was Percy jumping up and down like a maniac. All dignity forgotten. Professor McGonagall was sobbing even harder than Wood, wiping her eyes with an enormous Gryffindor flag. <laughs> it's just like... Ron and Hermione both. Demonstrate, oh, yeah. Demonstrating the the like absurdity of how into sports some people get (laughs) yeah in in all in all championships right you pass around the trophy or the cup or whatever everybody kisses it but because i watch a lot of hockey and because this is described as the quidditch cup i can only think of it as the stanley cup um which is where like the captain gets it first and then passes it and it's always like a ooh, who are they gonna pass it to who's the like most important it's like a big political thing every stanley cup which is (laughs) Hockey is itself absurd. Um, But I can only think of it in those terms when a sobbing wood passed Harry the cup. And like, I can only imagine that Harry's like the second person to touch the cup and he like raises it up in the air and then he lowers it down and he kisses it because that's like what they do with the Stanley Cup. (laughs) Um, So in my head, that's what it looks like, even though Harry's a 13 year old boy. Uh, That's so good. Sports (laughs) part two. What does the Quidditch Cup look like? Is it just a. Nobody knows. Cool. Well, surely you see it in, in movie three. Do you? I don't think that you see the Quidditch final in movie three. Wild. Yeah. I think you see the start of it and you see the celebration. The movies like the movies cut a lot of Quidditch. There's no Quidditch in the fifth movie at all. But there is in the sixth. And I think you actually do see it in the sixth. Yeah. And I can't remember what it looks like. There's not a lot in the sixth, but yeah. There is a lot. In the movie? Yeah. I don't remember there being much in the movie, but to be fair, I've watched that movie probably twice total because I hate it. It's not, it's not very good. It's, it's not a good worst. movie. Anyway. No. <laughs> not, a, not my favorite book and definitely not a great movie. Anyway, point being, Hermione has a ridiculous exam schedule. Yeah. I really love the first sentence of, of chapter 16, which is Harry's euphoria at finally winning the Quidditch Cup lasted at least a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah, and then exams had to come. Um, Fred and George Weasley were working, were actually spotted working because they're about to take their owls, ordinary wizarding levels, and Percy was getting ready to take his newts. Nastily exhausting wizarding tests because that's actually the name of the exam. I would like to give a thumbs up to owls and an enthusiastic thumbs down to newts. I agree. Like yeah. she came up with one good one and then was like, oh, oh dang, I need another one. Yeah. <laughs> That is exactly right. <laughs> absolutely beamed it. 
What's another it. animal that associates is associated with witches and wizards? Okay, newts. Fuck, How I never I noticed. I never noticed that before. You're right. Like that's literally what it is. She's like, okay, owls are good. What else? Newts are newts are a witchy thing. How do I fit Fuck. this into it? Uh, How have I never noticed that before? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, there you go. I feel like there are other words you could have used to make it sound like a test that's not nastily exhausting. Like, I feel like there's other N and E words you could have used. National. National. You could use your national examination of wizarding talent, yeah, right? Talent. Like, yeah. It's literally a first draft, like, <laughs> that she put zero thought into beyond. All right, this works fucking ap exams um that's basically like the wizarding gre right like a uh optional yeah like post-graduation exam it's taken place in seventh year which is why i associated with the ap's Mm. but i think that hogwarts is more like an international baccalaureate school than it is like an american high school with ap exams um so there's like different levels of testing that happen yeah, um, the GRE, for anyone not familiar, is a comprehensive exam that a lot of graduate schools in the U.S. require. Yeah. Although they are phasing it out in a lot of places, which is good. Bless. I did not have to take the GRE. I only applied to grad school. I did not require it because I refused I to take another standardized it. test. I'm so sorry. Um, what did you think of this chapter? There's a lot that happens in this chapter. A lot yeah. of shit goes down, and it ends on a cliffhanger. Oh, we see... Um... We see her Hermione's Boggart, or we hear about what Hermione's Boggart yeah. is. <laughs> Poor Hermione. Her Boggart is Professor McGonagall screaming at her for failing, like all of. Not her even. Scre- I don't think she's even screaming. I don't think McGonagall was screaming at her. McGonagall is just saying she failed everything. Hermione's the one that's screaming. Oh, true. Yeah, she just said. She said I failed everything. We get detail about a lot of exams. Yeah. We do, and I don't think we get this kind of detail. We don't Ever. in book two because exams are canceled. We do in book five when they're doing their owls, which makes sense. Yeah. But, we get like uh, a glimpse into it in book one, but not really. But it's really book three and five where we actually see what the exams are. Mm. And it's fascinating. Lupin has the best exam. Oh, yeah. yeah from, a teacher's, like, from, the, from the standpoint of a teacher. Like, that is, that's what an exam should be. Yeah. It's a practical. Yeah. Yeah. Although, <laughs> I do enjoy McGonagall's exam. Um, <laughs> yes. Turn a, turn a teapot into a tortoise. Yes. That's a practical exam, too. It is also a practical exam. I don't know who said this because it doesn't say, but if it still had a willow patterned shell, do you think that'll count against me? <laughs> I love that. I just love the idea of a tortoise. A tortoise with a ceramic shell. So there's a, uh, give me a hot second here um, to grab the link for it. There's a great dreary fic that takes place many years later. And Draco is a, is the transfiguration teacher, um, actually. And um, I like it. It's really a really fantastic um, I'll find the link and I'll put it, we'll put it in the show notes. And Harry is Defense is, Against the Dark Arts, I see. No, he's the Quidditch teacher. Um, oh. Yeah. He, yeah, it's great. He's like in charge of all of the outdoor stuff. He's not care of magical nice. creatures, but he's in charge of like teaching Quidditch and coaching Quidditch and all of that. 
and he's the head of mm-hmm. Gryffindor. But due to a magical accident, Draco has to take over a lot of Harry's duties. The point is, <laughs> Draco's pet is um, a beetle that was supposed to be transfigured into a teapot or a teacup. And so it's a ceramic beetle with a beautiful, like, patterned shell and wings. Oh, that's everything. very cool. It's very actually, cool. it's great. The beetle's name is Stanley. Um, <laughs> I will find the link to this really, really genuinely wonderful and That's heartwarming great. dreary fic. I love all headcanons about like people's future jobs. Mm-hmm. So much better than what JKR said their future jobs were. Oh, um, God, yeah. But like especially Draco's. I always like seeing Draco's like headcanons of Draco's f- future jobs. Which Transfigura- Transfiguration Teacher is not one that I had considered yeah. but I like it. It's really good. It's called, I just found it. We'll put it in the show notes, but it's called All Life is Yours to Miss by Sarah's underscore girl. Um, The summary is Professor Malfoy's world is contained, controlled, and as solitary as he can make it. But when an act of petty revenge goes horribly awry, he and his trusty six-legged friend are thrown into Hogwarts life at the deep end and must learn to live, love, and let go. I love it. It's really wonderful. And his little six-legged friend is a wonderful and very cute little ceramic beetle named Stanley. (laughs) Incredible. Um, but that just reminded me of the willow pattern shell because that's exactly yeah, what yeah. With, <laughs> with that one. So there's nice. my fic recommendation for today. Then they have Care of Magical Creatures where they <sighs> don't do anything. Hagrid's <laughs> just like, I don't know, I give up. Keep these worms alive for an hour. They have a practical in potions. His confusing concoction refused to thicken. Which like doesn't, doesn't deserve a zero. But no. you know. And given the fact that Harry continues and has like moderately good grades in all of his subjects. Like yeah. clearly somebody is being like, you can't give him a zero Snape. You yeah. can't do it. <laughs> Astronomy at midnight on the tallest tower, history of magic on Wednesday morning. Where he's just thinking about ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry. Harry learned about history from the ice cream. Florian Fortescue. Yeah. Wednesday afternoon met herbology. And then the last one is the, this is the wonderful practical set up by Lupin where it's a sort of obstacle course outside in the sun where they had to wait across the second Mm -hmm. last one. Yeah. Where they had to wait across a deep paddling pool containing a grindolo across a series of potholes full of red caps, squash their way across a patch of marsh while ignoring misleading directions from a hinky puck and then climb into an old trunk and battle with a new boggart. That's a really cool exam. Yeah. It's very summer camp. Like, yeah, yeah, it is just like the cool camp counselor. He absolutely is. Yeah, and then poor Hermione. I don't really want to go point by point in this chapter, but I will go point by point here, which is that immediately leaving this exam, they run into Fudge, a member of the, what is it, Committee on Dangerous Creatures, and the executioner who has an axe. Yeah. Um, so that sucks. Yeah. Um, I do appreciate how um, indignant Ron is mm-hmm. in this scene. I think it's good. It's not, he didn't just like feel bad for one second and start helping. He's like actually caring and trying to. And Hermione makes the good point of like, you can't yell at the Minister of Magic. The Minister of Magic knows who you are because he's your dad's boss. Yeah. <laughs> and then poor Harry and Ron have to do the divination exam. Which like, why, why is it, what was this order of students doing this exam? I don't understand why Harry's last. Other than just so that Trelawney can torment him i guess yeah it's not alphabetical order who knows 
could have been randomized, I suppose. Weird. I never thought anyway. about that, but that's a good point. I mean, tr it's Trelawney. <laughs> plot, it plot-wise, it's because they needed Harry. Like she needed Harry to be the last one going yeah. in. But maybe it's like students she expects to do best to students she expects to do worst. I don't think she would expect Harry to do worst, though. Yeah. Like she, she usually has. She usually has. She wants like, Harry to do well. That's true. Harry to do well. Yeah, like, that's true. She doesn't expect Ron to do well. She doesn't expect Neville to do well. So why would they be ahead? I don't know. True. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, prediction. Prediction. Someone want to read the prediction? It's on page 238 in the British edition. Uh, it's on 324 in the American. I can read it. Professor Trelawney spoke again in the same harsh voice, quite unlike her own. It will happen tonight. The Dark Lord lies alone and friendless, abandoned by his followers. His servant has been chained these 12 years. Tonight, before midnight, the servant will break free and set out to rejoin his master. The Dark Lord will rise again with his servant's aid, greater and more terrible than ever he was. Tonight, before midnight, the servant will set out to rejoin his master. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you for the dramatic <laughs> Are you okay? Beautiful. Does, it, does the American edition say he was instead of before? than ever yes. he was. That's a really strange little so difference. Random change, yeah. This is not, like... More terrible than ever he was, yeah. This just says before. Than ever before. Weird. The fuck, editors? Why did you leave the more complex... I thought you thought the Americans were dumb. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> and it's not even, like, a, like Britishism that gets changed. Yeah. It's just, like, a random word That's change weird. for no reason. Um, I will say um, Emma Thompson does a great job with this moment. Oh, absolutely. Ooh, is that... I forgot that she... Mm -hmm. She plays a great Trelawney in all of the movies she's appearing, she appears yeah. in, actually. She oh, does an incredible so job. Yeah. And there is no better pairing than Dame Maggie Smith as, and, yeah. as Professor McGonagall and Emma Thompson as Professor Trelawney. Oh, like, God. sort of hate each other, but, like, end up standing up for each other in multiple moments. Ugh, so good. That's good. Um... My only thought about fiction is that the servant can't be serious black because he's already free. Mm. Right. Good catch. Cool. Otherwise, no, no idea. And uh, Professor Bonnie does not remember at all when she made the real prediction. That's a really important note that you need to remember. Okay. All of her other predictions, which she literally just makes up, also come true. Not the way you expect, but they all do. Yeah. Because she, like, is really upset when Hermione leaves. She's, like, drawing the shawl around here. She's, like, clearly, in the way that, like, a teacher knows when they fucked up. Um, but then Lavender Brown is like, oh, you predicted that one of us would leave. She's like, well, yes, of course I did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. She counts on people remembering when things actually come true and forgetting when they don't. Um, it's very much, she makes predictions in the, like, horoscope type way that they're, yeah. big, that you will read into them. Yeah, exactly. You'll think about them when they come true in a way that you, you can identify. Um, but Harry doesn't actually get to tell Ron and Hermione about this because we get the one that I mentioned earlier, the, the shaky written letter. Yeah. They lost the appeal and Buckwheat is going to be executed tonight. And Hagrid actually asks that they don't come. He says, I don't want you to see it. And of course, all of them are like, 
great. We're immediately going down there. Hermione once again goes to break the rules and goes and fetches Harry's invisibility cloak, which is wonderful. Um, Hermione, I don't know what's gotten into you lately, said Ron, astounded. First you hit Malfoy and then you walk out on Professor Trelawney? Hermione looked rather flattered. I was just saying, Hermione is like, doing good. Like, <laughs> we were really, like, down on the, the treatment of Hermione in the last section, but the, the narrative is back. She's good. As again. long as she as long as she starts um, being cool and breaking rules, then we're all happy with her. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I true. Mean, Ron's happy with her. <laughs> I think I think you're right about the story being happy with her for that as well. Yeah. And they head down to Hagrid. Yeah, the really important thing here is that Scabbers has been hiding out in a milk jug in Hagrid's. For months. <laughs> for months. For literally like six weeks or two months. Hopefully um, not in the same milk. Well, I, I don't yeah, think the, I think it was an empty jug, but I think oh, yeah, yeah, she goes to pour it and then I'm assuming he came out to get food, but like also had to be wary of Buckbeak who was in the cottage. Yeah, who eats small rodents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and this ends on a cliffhanger. They're like underneath the cloak. The committee has arrived at Hagrid's. Hagrid's like trying to shoo them out the back door. Scabbers is trying to get away. They're trying to stay under the cloak. And they're, like, fighting with each other as they, like, try to move quietly. And mm. all of a sudden, um, there was a jumble of indistinct male voices, a silence, and then, without warning, the unmistakable swish and thud of an axe. How lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's really something. So that was the three chapters of rising action slash tying up everything that's not necessary for the last part of this book. And we head straight into climax now. Yeah, so 17, 18, 19 will be our penultimate section. Um, I'm interested to see what the, like, consequences of this Buckbeak stuff will be. Because it's mm. a really interesting side plot, but I assume that it is a side plot. Yeah, it's been running the whole book, but it's it's been a side plot, yeah. Yeah, so this is like, what does this mean for Hagrid, or for the Malfoys, or for, yeah. like, what... What is the fallout of this? Yeah, that's a good question. Hopefully there is something. Do you have any predictions for the end of the book? Um, I mean, I've said this already, but I'm pretty sure Black is going to turn out to be good. Or at least much more complicated than we've seen. Mm-hmm. Right. The Trelawney's prediction is about somebody else. Uh, and we're going to find out more about Harry's dad's friends. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Good predictions. Very good. I don't know, like, that's all, like, <laughs> like character stuff. I don't know what the plot is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be, the next The next few chapters are going to be fun. The next few chapters are going to be fun. I'm just... Oh, um, also Scabbers is going to turn into a person. And very soon, it looks like, by the chapter. <laughs> um, we were going to quickly talk about the Firebolt uh, page yes. on Wizarding World. In keeping with our uh, sports theme for this episode. Yeah, it's part two. It's a, it's fine. <laughs> it's a cool <laughs> wiki entry about yeah. the Firebolt. We get some good names. We get some great names. The Firebolt was developed by Randolph Spudmore, son of Abel Spudmore, of Ellerby and Spudmore. Who produced the Tinder Blast and the Swift Stick. Great names. One thing I noticed is I think that she wrote this after the movies started coming out obviously um but i don't think she ever described the the um rooms as having like foot 
like things, things to put your feet on. What are they called in here? Footrests. Um, footrests. They do have stand and twig bands in the books, but not footrests. But in the movies, they all have footrests. Which makes sense because then it would be so much more comfortable probably than just sitting yeah. with all of your weight on the broom. Um, <laughs> although you can see in Mary Grand Prix illustration for the Quidditch final, um, I will send a picture of it because it clearly does not have footrests. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Is like I don't. She never describes them as having footrests, and then she does here. So I think that she just took that from the movies. Definitely. Um, you can see just how uncomfortable it would be to sit on a broom like this. Yeah. Um, this is an image of Harry sitting astride, uh, his broom yeah. for the snitch, and like all his bits are just directly on the broom. Yeah. yeah. I assume that they're wearing padded shorts. Although it looks like he's wearing like street clothes in this image, which is a yeah, different problem. Like With a cape. Wearing... Jeans and a sweater and a cape. <laughs> which is definitely not what he would be wearing uh i think the important thing to talk about in this page is um the reason the why the firebolt well so the reason why the firebolt is so revolutionary in terms of broomcraft is um where's the paragraph um randolph was the first to use goblin made ironwork including footrests stand and twig bands aka using another group of people's power and magic to make your products better, um, yeah. which is uh, yeah, the kicker kicker of a last sentence. Mm -hmm. The firebolt is a costly broom, and Harry Potter was amongst uh, among the first to own one. It continues to be made in relatively small quantities, partly because the goblin workers involved in the patented ironwork are prone to strikes and walkouts at the smallest provocation. That that is not small provocations that are causing them to strike. Yeah, also yep. provocation is a real anti-union word right there. Mm -hmm. um, but like the fact that they are striking and walking out says to me that the goblins are unionized. So And they're being exploited for the benefit of... If they're unionized, they might have a, a, a fairly bargained contract. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But being true, <laughs> as you were about to say. Given the way that we have... Uh, that goblins have been treated so far in these in this world. I would like to believe. Yeah. But... So that's great. Um, yeah. Another place where the author could have just not. Could have just not. Literally could have just written it without that final sentence. Yeah. Or could have said, like, it continues to be made in relatively small quantities, partly because the goblin workers involved in the patented iron work are busy. Or, here's a, here's a thought. What if the the creator of the, yeah. the Firebolt had been a goblin instead. And like the reason that it's so costly and is made in relatively small quantities is because goblins, and this is something that you'll find out later, um, goblins hold fast to their very firm belief that the or original creator of an item is the owner forever and it is lent out and deserves to be returned. Yeah. yeah. And so like maybe that's why there's so few of them. I think it would be interesting to have that. The entire Irish team has fireballs. Yes. All right. As you'll find out. So, because they're wealthy. Gotcha. Ireland has its own school? Nope. Nope. Okay. Hogwarts is for all of... Hogwarts is for the entire British yeah. Isles, which include the Republic of Ireland as well as Northern Ireland. And Wales and Scotland. And probably the Isle of Man and some other miscellaneous places that, like, never really got given back. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask. I guess... It would be in, like, dedicated stadiums or whatever. 
that they play. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's de- there's dedicated Quidditch stadiums and like Quidditch practice fields and things. I was um, fixated on student Quidditch and I forgot that adults also play sports. Yeah. <laughs> they certainly do. So yeah, the fourth book, this is not a spoiler because it happens immediately, but the fourth book opens with uh, a World Cup played between what Bulgaria and Ireland yes. and the, only the seeker has a firebolt of the Bulgarian team, but the entire Irish team has firebolt. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts? I think I'll have a lot more closing thoughts, but it's hard to give thoughts in this chapter yeah, section. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's probably where I'm at as well. It's like this is the section of one of these where you just got to like power and also this is a hard section to have overall thoughts because there are like so many tiny little scenes that happen throughout. Yes. Also, if I were to give my overall thoughts, it would be a lot of spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that too. <laughs> That's what I was saying. It was like, this is the part where you really got to get to the end for any of the make. Makes sense. sense. So, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, until next time, I have been E. You can find me at CEL10E on Twitter. I am Adela. You can find me at Aradel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore on Twitter. Uh, I'm Zoe. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z, and buy my book Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, wherever books are sold. You can find the show at Potternot on Twitter and Tumblr, and you can find more music by Morgan Jackson at wedidthetimewarpagain.bandcamp.com. Also, what about sending uh, us a better acronym or a, b- a better sentence for what newt should yes. be called? Please send us, us your newt changes. <laughs> and also, any thoughts on Quidditch? Yes, please. If you play please Quidditch. Please tell me how you think rankings are determined in Quidditch. And if you actually play Quidditch, please tell me how rankings are determined in Quidditch. Um, I want to know if goal <laughs> differentials play into aspect of ranking or if it's total goals not differentials but like total goals or if goals don't play it into it all and it's just a points issue because that's it seems to indicate that it's just a points issue but i would find it really hard to believe that it's purely based on points based on what they're talking about with points and goals being so interconnected because of the snitch so i would like to know if you know please at me on twitter (laughs) I love this and I'd love to not understand anything about sports. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks so Bye, much. Everybody. Thanks, Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody.